Would you pray with me, please? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So in today's scripture, Jesus offers a parable of contrast. Two men standing very near each other in the temple who in society stood worlds apart. The Pharisee was a member of a very powerful and influential religious movement within Judaism. He was a part of the establishment. He would have been well respected by his fellow um, citizens. The tax collector, by contrast, was also Jewish, but worked for the Roman Empire that occupied their land. He would have been seen as a traitor and would have been universally hated by his fellow citizens. But like so many other times in the Gospels, Jesus surprises his listeners by caring less about what's on the outside, a person's profession, their social standing, their country of origin, their income bracket, and more about what a person thinks of themselves or other people, what a person feels, their compassion, their love, their love for others or lack of it. And today's story is about one person who gets it all right on the outside but gets it wrong on the inside, and another person who gets it all wrong Wait, which should I say? One person who gets it all right on the outside and wrong on the inside, and one who gets it all wrong on the outside, but gets one thing critically right on the inside. So let's dig in. We know the sin of the Pharisee is arrogance, right? We can all see it. He smugly thinks himself to be better than the tax collector. He actually thanks God that he isn't like him. It's conceited, judgmental. All we can do is thank God we aren't like him. Did you get that? See what I did there? I thought it was funny. Yes, wouldn't it be nice not to be like the Pharisee? To not know all... I knew that was going to happen, didn't you? You heard it? To not know all too well the temptation to incessantly compare and contrast and measure ourselves against other people. Just think of all the free time we would have if we didn't do that. So why do we do it? Well, I think it's God's fault. After all, we are born into a world without being told where we came from, where we go when we depart, or why we were put here in the first place. I mean, really, would a little bit of context been too much to ask? And in the vacuum of that basic information, we understandably feel a little anxious. We aren't always sure that we're doing this life thing correctly. And some people, not any of us, of course, but people like the Pharisee, 
decide that the best strategy is to become very good at being very good. They minimize that anxiety by striving to do everything right. What we call in a religious language, being righteous. And that's a good thing. But being righteous is just a hyphen away from being self-righteous. And that's when we start comparing ourselves to other people. It feels so good to think that we are better than someone else. Just for a moment, that anxiety slips away. But it doesn't last, does it? No matter how many times we get the message that we are smart or beautiful or wise or funny, it just doesn't stick. So soon enough, we need another hit. Like drug addicts, we spend so much of our time and energy looking for the next score, that sweet rush of believing at least for a moment that we are good enough. That question, am I good enough, is like a program or an app that's constantly running in the background and it drains our battery. Even when, like the Pharisee, we generally judge ourselves to be doing better than most other people, it's still exhausting. Is there a way out of it? I think so. But you may not like it. And a clue is found in the two very different prayers of our Pharisee and our tax collector today. But to get to that, we need a quick grammar lesson, refresher. So take the sentence, for example, the boy does the dishes, okay? The subject in that sentence is the boy, right? He is what the sentence is about. He is the one doing the action. The object of the sentence is the dishes. They are the thing being acted upon. Okay? With that in mind, hear again the Pharisee's prayer. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. Now, at first, it sounds like God is the subject, but actually the Pharisee only addresses it to God. After that, it is, I thank, I am not like, I fast, I give. I, 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 I. The Pharisee is the subject of his own prayer. The tax collector, on the other hand, also starts the prayer with God, but God remains the subject. God be merciful to me, a sinner. The tax collector in his prayer is the object, the one being acted upon. This isn't just a coincidence. I would propose that this little difference makes all the difference. When we talk about our spiritual journey or becoming more spiritually mature, what that boils down to, I think, is this little shift from subject to object. 
It is learning to see ourselves and our world as a sentence about God, not us, as a story in which God is the lead character and we are God's object, the thing that God acts upon and through. We live in a culture, though, that is so self-centered that it's really hard for us to even imagine not being self-referential referential about everything. The rise of the individual as the locus of importance and identification, as opposed to, say, the community, the body of Christ, makes it almost impossible for us to think in a new way. But friends, there is great freedom in relieving ourselves from being the subject. And I suspect that God would be quite relieved too. She must get so tired of us constantly circling the question of our self-worth, either desperate to prop ourselves up above others or wallowing in self-doubt and insecurity. I imagine God lovingly saying to us, Sweetheart, let's get on with it. There is work to do in this world, and I need you. Let's stop admiring the trophy case, and enough with the self-pity. All of this doesn't actually have that much to do with you. Not as the main character, anyway. All of this is about love, and you are the primary vessel, the object through which my love flows into this world. That's the shift. It's so simple, and God knows it is so hard for us to do, but we can practice. So every time you feel that old, tired question, am I good enough, rising up, I want to invite you to gently but firmly say, no, no, let's ask a different question. Like, what can God use me for here? What love can I bring into this situation? How can I be the object through which God's love could flow more freely? Like St. Francis, can our prayer be, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace? Because living life as the subject, it is hard work, it is stressful, and frankly, it is above our pay grade. This is what the tax collector understands. He may be getting it wrong in the world out there, all wrong, but he knows who he is in relation to God. And this is why Jesus says at the end that the tax collector goes home justified. Now, justified has a very specific and important theological meaning. It means to be made righteous by God. 
Not that we have been righteous, but that God has made us righteous. And you remember our story begins by saying that Jesus told this parable to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Those who didn't yet know that that's not how it works. So hear the good news. You do not have to do everything right. You certainly do not have to be better than others. You don't even have to be good enough. If the tax collector is any indication, you can be quite awful at times. You just have to learn one theological grammar lesson. Where you belong in the sentence. Amen.